Hello, everyone. It's that time again. It's time for the Down in the Valley podcast. My name is Todd Golden, sports editor and Indiana State beat writer for the Terre Haute Tribune Star. This is episode 20, and it's the third in the series of Voices of ISU uh, features that I'm doing now in the podcast. Um, and this week, uh, after after two episodes, I basically split one interview, uh, one very long interview with Dwayne Clee into two episodes. This week we turn to contemporary matters, and specifically that of Black Lives Matter, matters of race, matters of police and minority relations, police brutality, excessive force, and other matters that are very much on the hot button of people's minds right now. The reason we're talking about this is because uh, a month ago, on August 2nd, three ISU football players, Makai Ware, Dante Hendricks, and Michael Thomas, organized the March for Justice, which, if you're not familiar with what the March for Justice was, uh, it was a march that took place on a, on a Sunday. Uh, it was when ISU was, at that point, they were still preparing for potentially playing a regular season. That has since gone by the boards, but um, they organized a march uh, that took place, started at the Vigo County Courthouse, um, where Hendricks and Thomas were the organizers of it, but they had the full support of the ISU coaching staff, including head coach Kurt Mallory, who spoke at the march, um, as well as the majority of their teammates, as well as the support of several athletes from other ISU athletic programs, as well as just students in general. The student population was not yet in Terre Haute, but there were people who supported it. Um, the idea of the march was to march on campus, which they did. They marched from the courthouse to the fountain you know, in the middle of ISU's campus where they were joined by ISU Director of Athletics, Shark Clink Scales, as well as ISU President Deborah Curtis, both of whom spoke. Uh, the march wound its way through campus, eventually made its way to the Charles E. Brown African American Cultural Center, where some more speeches were made, and then the march went back to the Vigo County Courthouse. Um, as I said, it took place on August 2nd, um, and since then, the players who were involved in this probably weren't anticipating that they may not have the forum to continue to speak. Um, with the season having been canceled not too long after the march took place, um, however, uh, all of these players are committed to continuing uh, to push for what they believe is right. And I thought it was important to talk to the players who organized it. Now, before I start, first of all, I apologize for my voice in this intro. I'm really I'm suffering from a sinus infection or something. And so I'm a little little uh, bogged down. But anyway, um, before I start, Michael Thomas declined to take part in this interview, uh, which is his right. Uh, so I'm only talking to Makai Ware and Dante Hendricks. Makai Ware is a cornerback. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Dante Hendricks, of course, is an all-conference wide receiver. And so this interview took place about a week ago, September 2nd, uh, a month to the day after the end of the march. And uh, we delve into the, first of all, we delve into the organization of the march and how uh, the three players who organized this approached their teammates, approached the coaching staff, a lot of the kind of background that maybe wasn't filled in as much when the march took place. Uh, as well as the reaction they got to it. And then we delve into matters of race 
and uh, what experiences both Hendricks and Ware have had as African-American men. And I think it's important to talk about this stuff. I wrote a column about it for Wednesday's paper. You may have read it by now. And I do think it's important to listen to uh, people who experience the things that those of us who are white, as I am, uh, don't experience. And I will say right off the bat, full disclosure, uh, this podcast is an expression of my views as well. Uh, yes, it's an interview, but I also interject my own viewpoints into this, as you'll hear. Um, so be mindful of that, uh, that this isn't a strict Q&A. This is a conversation with myself and Makai Ware and Dante Hendricks. And I am a supporter of Blacks, Black Lives Matter. I think as somebody who is white, um, it's important for people who are white to listen and to understand that it's an important part of life to attempt to walk in another person's shoes. And when you walk in somebody else's shoes, part of the part of the understanding of that is to try to empathize with what that person may be going through that you don't have to deal with in your own life. And I think when you boil it down, that's what Black Lives Matter is all about. I think the African-American community is trying to get people like us to understand that we don't experience the same things out of society that they do. Um, my kids are basically the same age as Dante and Makai are, a little bit younger, but they have freedom of movement. They can they can drive. My daughter just started college herself. And, uh, you know, when they walk out the door, I don't have to worry about them being pulled over because of the color of their skin. I don't have to worry about um, if they are pulled over, if excessive force is going to be used against them, or if something is going to be conjured to become an excuse for something like that. Now, saying that, I do, I'm not anti-police either. I think the vast majority of police are good people and do their jobs as intended. Unfortunately, there are groups of people in that profession, as there are in all professions, who don't. Unfortunately, when you have people in a position of authority who don't do their jobs, it's a problem. And when people of race are targeted, it's an even bigger problem. So I think it's incumbent upon us as white people to acknowledge that and to try to solve it. And I think that's the point of what these players are trying to get across, as you'll hear in the interview. So as I said, I encourage you to listen. I understand that not everybody is in support of this movement. I understand that not everybody thinks beyond their own experience. Maybe by listening to this, hopefully you will. So at any rate, like I said, uh, this was recorded about a week ago. I will say for full disclosure, I had to slice about two minutes of it out because we did this via a Zoom meeting. I, I don't have person-to-person -person access with any of the ISU athletic programs at the moment. Whatever, whatever interviews I do are over the phone, or in this case, over a Zoom meeting. And if any of you have done Zoom meetings, you know that sometimes they get wonky with an internet connection. And that happened about midway through this so unfortunately, I lost one of the responses to one of the questions I had. You probably won't notice it because I edited it out. But I just wanted to make sure, if, especially for Dante and Mackay, if, if they happen to listen to this, that um, if something is missing, it was due to uh, that kind of gar garbled 
uh, bad connection thing that you get when you do a Zoom meeting. But anyway, I don't want to pontificate for too long. I want to make sure that the subjects of this uh, have their voices heard. So here is uh, Dante Hendricks and Makai Ware. As much as humanly possible, I, I identify them in the course of the interview, but I'm sure after a while you will recognize both of their voices. So here we go, Dante Hendricks and Makai Ware of the Indiana State football team talking about matters of race and Black Lives Matter. Thank you for listening. I'm here today with uh, Dante Hendricks and Makai Ware from the Indiana State football team, and today we're going to be talking about matters of race and Black Lives Matter and uh, the March for Justice that uh, the two of you and Michael Thomas organized back in August. Um, before I do that, though, one football question I do want to ask you guys is, it's September 2nd as we record this, and this normally would have been the day before the Eastern Illinois game. Um, how weird is it? How strange is it? How frustrating is it that you guys are not playing and uh, you are working out kind of sort of like it's sort of like spring ball almost right now, I guess. But how are you guys computing the fact that there's no football at a time of year when you guys will be getting ramped up for it? Uh, Dante, you can go first. Or whoever wants to go first. It's definitely uh, crazy times right now. You know, when we first found out that our season got canceled well, for the fall, it was disappointing. Um, it was definitely tough. But, you know, we're, we're relying on our health experts to put us in the best position. And we have a great uh, training staff with Kellen and Steven and all them. And we believe that they're, they're giving us the best opportunity to be healthy and remain healthy in this time. And I think as a team, we've we've hit the ground running. We're in the weight room training our butts off. Um, you know, we're, we're having these practices on Tuesday and Thursday that it feels good to finally do football stuff. You know, we haven't done football stuff in a while, so it definitely feels good to be back out there on the practice field, get moving with the guys again, and just feel like football is getting closer and closer. You know, we're hoping to have a spring season, but we don't we don't know what that's going to look like either. So. We just have to take it day by day, you know, just work our butts off like we do have a season coming up. What about you, Makai? How are you handling it? Um, I think Dante hit it right on the head. Uh, it's, a, it's a quote of stay ready so you don't have to get ready, that type of mentality. Because um, in reality, we don't know when we're going to have a season. We mm -hmm. might have a spring season. We may not play to next fall. But just the fact that we're not knowing, we have to continue to just – work in the weight room uh, and do these practices on Tuesday and Thursday just to build that chemistry that we miss in the spring ball and, and part of the majority of the summer as well. So we still have a lot of, um, like I said, chemistry we need to get done on, on defensively and offensively. All right, well, moving on to the topic at hand, which is, uh, as I mentioned, Black Lives Matter, topics of race, uh, diversity, uh, solving some of the issues that come as a part of that. Um, when George Floyd was murdered back in May, and it's another case, unfortunately, of excessive force used by the police in that respect, how did you guys process that? I, as a white person, can empathize, but I cannot understand what you guys would be going through as you watch that. Uh, Makai, I'll start with you. What went through your mind as you saw another incident of... Uh, uh, that would be racially motivated happen uh, and unfold in front of you? Uh, to be honest, I, I was furious. Uh, that, that's, that was my first reaction. I'm mad that 
that this is still going on that that's been this has been going on for centuries and decades and this is something that my my grandfather has went through my father has went through and personally i've been through and to see someone another black man murdered it it, it i was furious and it's furious and sad and to be honest with you uh that was my first reaction it's sad furious what about you dante yeah i was the same way you know um when it happened and just seeing the video and just trying to comprehend like how someone can just kneel on somebody's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and none of those cops felt like anything was wrong with that you know it was emotional you know i, I had emotional thoughts with my mother because she's she's white and she just doesn't get it either and it's just it seems like it happens every month you see something else happen happen and it's like when is this stuff going to stop you know we it's it's kind of to the point like am i going to be next like it's just scary because people need to start being held accountable and change needs to happen because this just it's, it's just tired to just continue to see this stuff over and over again yeah when the protests and march marches that took place in that they took place in june after george floyd was murdered happened when you guys were off campus um, but it was pretty clear that once college players started arriving on campus and when uh, pro sports began playing again, which was about a month later, that this Black Lives Matter movement was going to be carried on by the athletes um, who, who feel as you guys do. Um, as athletes who have a chance to express their voice and make their voices heard and can uh, you know, have a little bit more of a platform than other people do, uh, what was discussed between the two of you and Michael um, to exp to want to do your own um, uh, gesture or movement to make people here at Indiana State aware of the issues of Black Lives Matter? Uh, how did you guys, what was the genesis of, of what you guys wanted to do? I, I'll start with you, Dante, this time. So, so after the George Floyd incident, we felt like, we need to sit down as a team and have a conversation. Have a conversation of what's what's going on in the world today and what has been going on in the world for years and centuries, you know. So we, we sat down as a team, had team meetings. We um, we had we had pod meetings every week. The team was broken down into let's say ten to fifteen players per pod with, with coaches in each meeting. Um, we had conversations about Juneteenth, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, Civil Rights Movement mass incarceration and we felt like we needed to educate everybody and we needed to educate ourselves before we even think about marching because we didn't just want to throw a march out and not be educated so we pushed the march back so we all got to campus including our incoming freshmen and we felt like the march would allow us to use our platform as division one football athletes to spread awareness of what's going on in the world we feel like we have a big voice especially in this community you know this football team is very diverse. We have many African-Americans, whites, and whatnot. So we feel like to show the community as a football team, we can all come together as one. And if we all do that, we can achieve one common goal. And that's just to be able to be treated equal, no matter what one skin color looks like. There should be no, no hate towards anyone. And it's just, there, there should be no reason why you have hate in your heart because of one skin color, you know? Mm -hmm. We just want 
to come together as one team to march through terror that would just allow us to use our platform to create change what about you makai what were uh what 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 voice did you uh express in in that in that part of this um just if you go back a few years ago you have uh when trayvon martin was murdered mm-hmm. uh, we, we were a lot younger and we definitely didn't have the platform that we have now um we're still trying to grow up and still you're 15 16 year old you're still trying to figure out who you are as a person a young man in this society so but now that when George Floyd died, we felt like, like Dante said, Division One athletes, football athletes. I, I feel like we we both feel like that we were able to to use our voices, um, at, even as team leaders on this team. Uh, we felt that our voice holds some weight around in, Indiana State and Terre Haute. So why not use it for a good cause? And the good cause right now is to bring light to racial injustice um racial inequality that's what we're trying to bring light to and um we wanted to have it june june 28th but um currently with pandemic everyone wouldn't be on campus Mm -hmm. and something we want the whole team to be involved also in june when june 28th was around uh the protest was the the trend um everyone was protesting which is not a bad thing i love the protest but we wanted to push it back to August 2nd to when protests start to die down. We don't see much videos on your social medias about Black Lives Matter to let everyone know that Indiana State football is still applying pressure for equal rights, basic human rights. That, that's what we're fighting for. Right. Uh, so that that's why we pushed it back and we hit them with, boom, now, okay, this is not over. This is not a fight that's over in a month or two. This is just not a month or two trend. This is something that we're going to keep fighting for. Uh, I believe me and Dante and everyone in America is going to fight this today to the day we die. Coach and Mallory, to, go ahead, Dante. My, to piggyback off what Makai said about just this is just about basic human rights. A lot of people in the world are trying to make this political. This is this is not political, and we just wanted to make that make that a stance that this is not political, this is just about our basic human rights and how everyone should be, everyone should deserve to be treated equal. So I just wanted to put that out there. Sure, no, yeah. that's, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm going to delve into that a little bit later with the questioning too. Um, Coach Mallory did tell me a little bit about the format in which you guys used that you kind of alluded to to get the team aware of of what you guys were trying to get across. And um is it true that you guys split into groups and kind of took one piece of um, each part of the diversity? One group may have taken uh, excessive force by the police. One group may have taken societal racism. Um, am I accurate in explaining that? How how, how did that work? Uh, Mikhail, I'll start with you this time. Uh, so basically we broke up into 15, like 15 uh, players and two coaches in each group. And each meeting... Uh, we'll have, like I think Dante said, it was mass incarceration, and each coach, both the coaches will come over like sort of a lesson, and they will teach, will talk to the players in the open dialogue about mass incarceration, and that will go for all other the five other groups, and then that next meeting it will be the same 15 players but two different coaches, and the four categories was what topics were mass incarceration. Um, the civil rights movement, Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, and Juneteenth. 
So, um, and I'll let Dante continue on with that. Did I miss anything? Yeah, uh, he pretty much nailed it. And the biggest thing we wanted to do with that is to have open dialogue with everybody in, in the pod. You know, we wanted to hear everybody's viewpoint because obviously not everybody has the same viewpoint. And if someone can say their viewpoint and another person has a different viewpoint, they can kind of just talk about it and see where each other's coming from and kind of just try to, try to, try to like not, not keep it hostile, but just kind of understand where everybody's coming from. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah this is, uh, sorry. No, go ahead, Makai. The, the, yeah. To piggyback, it wasn't these, these pod meetings were not, um, like me trying to attack anybody or Dante trying to attack anybody. It was more of, I come into the meeting with the, the mindset of we must educate to progress. Alvin Kamara said it best when Drew Brees said something uh, about the kneeling. He, he said he talked to Drew Brees and it, he wasn't mad, but he was upset with him, but he talked to him and they came to a, a understanding of what the, within each other's beliefs and under, unbeliefs. And he, he basically just said that, okay, that's what it's about. And I believe that's what it's about, education educate to progress as a community uh, uh, as a country and with us as a team that that's what we're that was our goal to educate each other yeah how did those conversations go because football teams as you guys said are a melting pot i mean you have people cut from all different colors of skin all different backgrounds some backgrounds that frankly wouldn't be very sympathetic to something like black lives matter and i know there's teammates i'm not trying to divide or anything like that but there are teammates out there who would have probably not necessarily understood it or agreed with it. Um, and there, of course, there will be plenty of teammates that do. But how did those conversations go? How were those dialogues that you had with teammates? And how did most of them ultimately come around to the idea of uh, of supporting what you guys were doing? Uh, Dante, I'll start with you first. Um, I thought the, uh, the, the pods and meetings, they were very beneficial. Because, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people that weren't educated on what we thought was the real problem in this world. And even myself, you know, I had to even get even more educated on the topic. And, you know, just to hear everybody's viewpoints is one of the biggest things that these pods were about, you know, because we, we all don't have the same viewpoint on Black Lives Matter and all that, but these pods gave, was, we were able to break everything down so everybody was able to understand, oh, really, I didn't know this was going on because Everyone is brought up differently, you know, for everyone to be involved in these pods, they can go back home or have these talks with people from their hometown, and I learned this, I learned that, and that could create even more awareness, and I could just try to tag and bring more people along to try to create a change that is much needed in this world. So I thought the pods were very beneficial to us. What about you, Makai? Uh, I think it was the first step. Uh, it was a first step that needed to be done. It was just the first step into the door. Uh, I think we have a long way to go, um, but I do think it was beneficial because when George Floyd deaths did happen, the first and then the first team meeting, uh, I did feel like the the team was divided. I mean, and it was a huge gap between this side versus this side. But after the few weeks of pod meetings, I did see the division start to. The, the gap start to bridge a little bit, um, and we're, we're not we're not done by no means. Uh, um, we started with the pod meeting to educate, then we started with then we did the march, 
and then we have other things planned as well just to continue to educate continue to educate because we got to continue to fight the good fight um so that, that that's uh, like i said uh, like dante said it was beneficial um and like i said and like i said it was um we still have some ways to go I, I hate to keep going back to the background of the march but i did want to cover this ground because it wasn't talked about at the time and and all of that but i guess the last question i have about the background of it is um you had to talk to the coaches and coach mallory um from every conversation I've had with him and certainly everything he said publicly have been supportive of this. Obviously the pods were begun and he had to be a part of doing that. Um, but you know, football, co- you guys know better than, than, than we do that, that football coaches don't like distractions from football. So how do you, how do you work that out with the coaches uh, to make sure that you impl- and, and, you know, convey to him how important it is to let your own voice be heard and make sure that they're on board with what you want to get doing uh when normally you know it's football mode and you know i don't want to do anything that distracts from that but kai how, how did how did that go with uh, coach mallory uh i mean i would say coach mallory he, he was understanding uh and I, we wanted to continue to push me and a few other players me dante and a few other players wanted to push that this is more than just football uh we at the time we wanted football can wait this is like our lives that we're talking about here because George Floyd, Trevor Martin could be one of Coach Mallory's African-American players on his team. Mm-hmm. So at the, mom- at the moment, football could wait. Um, and throughout the process, uh, this wasn't just the pie. I mean, is we want to talk about, okay, we want to educate the team. But at the same time, uh, we're not – the team isn't just the players getting on the bus to travel to Illinois State or travel to South Dakota – uh, the team is head coach, all the assistant coaches, the graduate assistants, the trainers. That's the team. So when we talk about educating everybody, uh, we we were there to oh, all these pod meetings and the march. We were here to educate everyone, no matter the age. Uh, we can go all the way to the oldest coach on the staff, Coach Smith, all the way down to the youngest freshman on the team. It doesn't matter. We're here to educate, and they over the process. I felt like more and more coaches were, were getting understanding that this isn't about football. And there was coaches that all the coaches were, they were willing to educate themselves, not just through the pod meetings, but their, their selves and by themselves. And I, I commend the coaches for, for, for their work. And I appreciate everything Coach Mallory has done. He's, he's working really hard and, and he's doing a lot for us to, to bring light to what needs to be brought light to, to be honest. What about you, Dante? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Makai uh, pretty much nailed it, but a couple of us players became guy we were like, we won't pick up another playbook or we won't go over another playbook until these real issues are talked about because, like you said, this is our life. You know, football is only a small part of our life, but this is, this is our lifestyle. We can't, like, remove the skin of our color, so we felt like this these topics they need to be talked about and what what he said about the coaches these coaches show that they really do care for us as the as the pods went on you know you could really tell that they were educating themselves or themselves and it really meant a lot to us because I, i've had talks with um our d coordinator coach wilson 
and he's he's one of the top guys that I felt like was very very passionate about this, and I really respected that from him because obviously he's not my my coach, he's my defense coordinator, but just to see his passion, and you can really tell with everything he's put on social media that he's really done his research, and just with all the coaches, I do truly feel like they have our back. You come to the day of the march. Um... What was the emotions that you guys were going through? What feelings did you have? How did you feel the march went after the fact? Um, Dante, I'll start with you. What what was going through your mind? And, you know, now that we're about a month afterwards, um, how do you feel like, uh, how, how effective do you feel it was? Yeah, uh, going into March, you know, we had a lot of hard work that was put into this, you know, with everything leading up to the march. It was a lot of hard work, you know, a lot of tough conversations. And I felt like the march went good. It was good to have the team involved. You know, I wish we could have seen more of the community out there with us um, and not just the folk, not just like the athletic teams. But, you know, I thought we were able to use our voice and our voices were heard, you know, with the, with our social media blowing up after the march. So I thought that was good to spread the awareness and I just felt it was good for just for all the other sports who aren't in our little pod discussions to kind of get a feel of what we've been going through with all the speakers that were talking at the march. You know, you can really tell the, the speakers were passionate about what they were saying and how there need, does need to be a change made in this world. And like I said, it just showed that no matter if one skin color, you can always come together. You don't have to have hate in your heart. Just, just love each other, you know, no matter what one skin color is, because life, life is, you don't know how long you're going to live, and why would you want to live with hate in your heart, you know? Just, just love each other. What about you, Makai? What was, what was going through your mind on the day? On the day, and I know Dante didn't want to say it, but, I mean, we didn't, our first thought was we did not want to mess up the speech. Uh, that was <laughs> the first thought. We did not want to mess up, but going in, um, you can see the through our speeches. I feel like um, even Michael's and Coach Marley you see the passion that we have for it. Uh, just through, I can speak for myself. Just through personal experiences, I, I've had the passion I have for it is extremely high, and uh, that's why I, I handle this this topic a certain uh, way. But I think the, uh, the the march went went well. Uh, I thought we picked certain speakers to speak, and I think they hit a home run every last one of them. And uh, we, I appreciate the coaches and the uh, ISU Police Department to uh, for helping with the route and everything. And everyone's everybody was working together to just make this a special day. And uh, just in general, uh, Todd, it's just. If you look at it, where because Dante brought up, I wish it was more of the community out there. Uh, we're, we're in reality, we're black men fighting for black rights in Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, that is a tough battle each and every day. Makai, you mentioned this. Um, one of the things that was mentioned during the march um, was that you we were going to meet with ISU police um, after the march. I did want to ask if that conversation took place. Um, what was discussed, and has a similar conversation been proposed with the Terre Haute Police Department or the Vigo County Sheriff's Office? Because 
um, you know, uh, issues of excessive force and racial profiling would certainly have to be discussed with them, too. Have you guys had those dialogues? And, and if you have, what have you spoken about with, with the police? Um, so because of, because of the pandemic, we haven't had the conversation yet. Uh, Coach Mallory did say uh, next week we'll have uh, talks, uh, speakers come in and have talk with the team when we advance to the next stage with uh, through Kellen and uh, the athletic director. So we haven't had those talks, but we do look forward to having those talks with ISU uh, to start off with ISU Police Department because we can only talk to uh, ISU staff members at the moment. Right. Because of the pandemic. Um, but we're working on outside speakers as well to come in and speak to us and outside of the police department. So it's, it's more, more to come. Uh, we just have to get clearance by uh, the health department. I did want to ask, I did want to talk about some of the issues specific to race and some of the goals that you guys want to accomplish and that, um, you know, that, uh, that I think are beneficial to society as well. I did want to talk about camp, the campus uh, first. What are some of the issues of race that you feel like the campus needs to address and that you feel like you guys have a voice to kind of push that uh, forward a little bit? Uh, I'll start with you, Dante. Um, what are some of the things that you notice on campus that you'd like to see remedied? Um, yeah, you know, being at this campus, First and foremost, it seems like this campus is very diverse, you know. Um, one thing I would like to see is just uh, having more African-Americans as professors, you know. That'd be nice to see. Um, just, and just to, like, make sure, like, each, each uh, I guess, club, because I know there's, like, an African-American club and all that stuff, just funding and making sure everybody's voices are heard and now. Uh, promotion to, towards these clubs because the African-American building uh, that where we marched to um, during the march, I'm sure not a whole lot of people know that where that building's at, you know, and yeah. I know that you can learn, I know you can learn a whole lot of stuff if you walk, if you walk to that building and sit down and have a talk. I know Makai did, he had a talk there and I know, I just know like promotion of African-American stuff um, because you're only gonna you're, you're only gonna understand the problem if you want to educate yourself right and I think I think promoting promoting more African-American stuff around campus and trying to get people in these certain classes that could help raise the issue or the awareness to the issue at hand what about you Makai what are your thoughts on that um, first off I just feel like the campus the staff, the head head of ISU, I feel like we we need to address the matter, the, the, the problem at hand. I, I feel like we're, I mean, we've been on campus for about three weeks now, and I just haven't seen nothing around campus, like Dante said, promoting anything. Uh, and I mean, more of it, Dante hit it right on the head with everything, but I think the biggest thing is promoting, advertising, what, what, we want um i just more of like the african-american cultural center that needs to be i mean it's already across campus it's like hidden behind all the buildings but no one knows where that is 
And I guarantee the people that went to the march, 85% of them didn't even know, if not more, didn't, know, didn't even know that existed. And that needs to be promoted in the comments. That needs to be promoted around the fountain where everyone walks around every single day. Um, signs need to be held up. And if this community, this, this university is really with us and, and like that, like they say they are, because we did have a talk to, with President Curtis and she's, um, I think she's a great president and she is with us. So I feel like if she's with us, like she says she is, we need to promote more. Uh, I feel like the Black Lives Ma a Black Lives Matter sign somewhere should be, or in the comments, we talked about that. Um, so I, I'm, that's what I'm looking for in, into the future, uh, just promoting the Black culture, the African American culture. That, that that's huge. I, it, this just popped into my head, and I don't know if this would be a good thing or counterproductive. But do you think it would be a good idea? Because it's one thing for African Americans to educate themselves on themselves and the movement that you know uh, has created the conditions of today. It's a it's another thing entirely to educate people who uh, are white and may not be um, sympathetic or have thought of these causes at all. Um, do you think it would be beneficial to have like a required course or something like that that teaches people uh, some of these things? I can see the argument both ways. I can see where it would be helpful. I can also see where people might react badly to it if they feel like they're forced to do it. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I'll start with you, Makai. Uh, I think uh, anything required, like, I, I wouldn't want it. Like, we yeah. made sure that before the, the march, we said we, re we, we encourage everybody to come out, but it's not mandatory. Because once that is mandatory required, that means we're just forcing on them. They don't really mean it, you know. So that that no, I wouldn't want to say required. But we this country has dealt with people, uh, people that isn't affected by police brutality, isn't affected by racial profiling. They they we deal with this problem. People just turn a blind eye to it because it doesn't affect them or their family. Um, but that's something that needs to change. That's why we're continuing to, okay, you, you're going to listen either way because we won't stop talking. I mean, either you're going to just keep walking and we're going to talk in your ear or, or you're going to turn around and let's address the problem. What, so, about, what about you, Dante? What do you think? Yeah, uh, like Mikai said, I agree with him. You know, to make something mandatory, it's just like, all right, if you make something mandatory, they're going to show up. Are they really going to care? It's going to go right through one ear and out the other. So to make something mandatory, I don't think it would be as successful. But, you know, you would love to see people just willing to go to these classes to learn something. Because like you yeah. said, just because it's not affecting you doesn't mean like it's not a problem. Because this topic is not affecting a whole bunch of people. But as a team, it's affecting your brother, you know their yeah. families and whatnot. So just to make it mandatory, I don't think it'd be as successful because it, like I said, it could just go through one ear and out the other and just, okay, go on with it. Go on with your day. I wanted, I wanted to ask you guys, and if you don't want to answer this, I understand, but I feel the need to ask because I think it's important to this discussion. But um, have you guys been uh, victims of any racial incidents yourselves, either here on campus or elsewhere? Um, I think it would be really naive for me to ask if you know anybody who has, because I'm sure you have, um, because I know I've, I've known people that have been victims of that. Um, 
how is that how have you felt this on a personal level um i'll start with you dante in terms of uh how these issues have affected you directly yeah um i mean i won't give any names or anything like that but one time there was there was a fight that happened somewhere back where i was from and one of my african americans i know just trying to break it up and somehow he he got the he got into the situation where he was on the ground getting punched by these two uh, uh, security guards at this bar, and he's leaving. The, he's getting arrested, and he has a whole gash on the back of his head. And it's just like he's there to break up the fight. He wasn't in the fight. Yeah. Somehow y'all are claiming him to be the problem, and now he's his the back of his head's gushed with blood. You know that that one hit home with me, and then being from Kentucky, Breonna Taylor. You know, yeah. personally, I'm not affected because I don't know her, but she's from Kentucky. And to see her dying in her sleep in her bed, and to this day, nothing, nobody being held accountable. Yeah, you fire somebody, but what is that going to do? He's still walking the streets. Just seeing no accountability being given is just, it's just messed up. I don't know how long they're going to take, but like, it's it's been months since that situation has occurred and it's it's heartbreaking that they haven't been able to find justice yet what about you Makai? um i i've had uh, a few friends uh that that has dealt with i, I would say police brutality um uh, i think police officers uh when we talk about police people like to counter it with not all cops are bad but um i, I don't when, I, when they say that, do they flip the script? I said this in my speeches. Do they think all black men are guilty? Or do they think all black men or black women isn't bad? Um, I think they also have a problem with, when we talk about the good cops, yes, there are good cops out there, but at the same time, if you don't hold your partner accountable for his accident, then you're just as bad as he is or she is. But when we talk about personal experiences, I've had uh, my fair share with police officers, police, uh, LAPD. Um, I'm around 16 years old, riding around with my friend, and um, we were pulled over, and, and there was no drugs in the car. We was coming back from a high school football game. And at the time, Makai wasn't six foot. <laughs> he was five, four, playing JV, so I was able to go varsity, play watch varsity games. And we're coming home, and... Um, and we were pulled over and we were asked to get out the car. And uh, like, we were asked, like, what, what for? And I'm sitting there just thinking, like, bro, what did I do? But at the time, I don't have the same mindset I have now. So I just thought this was life. You do what the police officer say. You don't question the police officer. And I've had talks to my parents about that. But uh, we both are in handcuffs because they want to search the car. Um, I'm thinking back now, like, if you're searching the car, I mean, Five, four, five, five. Why am I? Why do I have to be in handcuffs? Um, so we're on handcuffs, and my friend can't remember the exact remark he said, but he said something. And I giggled, and a police officer, way above six foot, I want to say six two, six three, uh, he came by and slammed my five five, sixteen year old body to the ground, handcuffed. Uh, I remember having a scar all right here, scratch. Um, it was just. 
at that very moment I knew what police brutality was and from there on you just see everything else that follows behind it now I mean you see Trayvon Martin and then you see Eric Gardner and then you see George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and you see all these these they want to say incidents and they want to counter it and say well they were doing the wrong thing if you just cooperate with the police you won't get that and that's coming from a white man but they they don't understand what we have to go through yeah so so it's tough to talk about just a lot of things i'm still going through a lot of stuff but when i look at this as from the perspective of as a white person myself and i am somebody i should be um you know for people who are listening to this i should have full disclosure and say i sympathize with the black lives matter movement and i'm not saying that for your guys's benefit but I'm saying it for to preface this next question. And that's that as a white person who sympathizes with this movement, when I boil it down to its essence, and when you take out the specific issues of it, what it's really about, in my opinion, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong or not, is about walking in another person's shoes. And when you walk in somebody else's shoes, you have to make an effort to understand the injustices that somebody who doesn't have to face the same things that you do have to face and it's incumbent upon you to fix it that's how i feel as somebody who sympathizes with it but i know there's people out there who don't possess the ability or the or have the unwillingness to walk a mile in another person's shoes how difficult is it for you guys to put your minds around the fact that there's people out there that don't even try you know i that's my difficulty as a white person uh trying to understand people who have my own color of skin how do you guys process that from your perspective? I'll start with you on that, Dante. Um, to be to be honest, it's very frustrating. You know, how can you see something have, be happening for so long and so long? This seems where it seems like it's repetitive, and you don't see that there's a problem. You know, you you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to be treated like this. Your your son, your daughter, whoever in your family, you wouldn't want them to be treated like this. What you see on social media. So it's like, how can you not try to see where we're coming from? And it's, it's just so frustrating. And that goes with what I said earlier. People have to be willing to educate, educate themselves. Because if they don't educate themselves, they only know what they know. They only know what they were brought up. And they're only going to know that. And that's why they don't want to walk in our shoes. Is because they feel like what they were taught and all that is, is just right. Which, so it's definitely frustrating where you where you see like your friends or anybody and that such not want to educate themselves and walk in our shoes to see where we're coming from. What about you, Makai? Uh, well, so to if you go back, if you go back a few months ago and, and when the George Floyd uh, murder happened, I, I was mad. Uh, I, like Dante said, frustrated. Yeah, mad, frustrated, angry. Um, but if you come now, I'm at a mind of, okay, he's he. We went through all the this these few months of protests and and uh, riots was happening and different speakers speaking out, and so at this point, if you still don't care, it's too late. So I'm not going to focus my time and, and on a person who doesn't want it, that doesn't want to learn. So I'm going to go focus on. Uh, another white man, white woman who wants to learn and wants to educate themselves because 
Yeah, that person over here who doesn't want to learn probably go back to their old white neighborhood. And the person that wants to learn, they'll probably go back to their old white neighborhood too. But the difference is, if these two went back to the same neighborhood, after this person has been educated and educated by anybody, I know if this person, the other person doesn't want to get educated, they say something racist or anything, I know the person that was educated is going to speak up. And that's what Dante talked about when, okay, we educate our white brother, white sister, and they go back to their own community and take a stand against their own their own white brothers or sisters. So, and that's what's going to help us bridge the gap. Because we can't get to those uh, people in your, your neighborhoods. We can't get to them. But we can get to you, and you can spread that knowledge. So, I, it's not a... I'm not going to continue to waste my, my time on, on a person who doesn't want to. I'm going to waste my time. I mean, not waste my time. I'm going to use my time and, and my knowledge to speak to people that want to learn. Because if you fast forward 10, 20 years from now, uh, racist people in this country, I believe, is going to be the minority in this country. They're going to be outnumbered by a lot. So I'm going to continue just to use my time wisely. Based on what you just said, Makai, does that make it even more important to remain visible? Because when I look at this as as somebody who is white and as somebody who is privileged, you know, I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a harmful for white people to say that they're privileged, and but that they need to change that privilege. Um, but privileged people are comfortable with their privilege. And the problem with that is, is that when you're comfortable with privilege, you don't want to push to make any kind of change for people who need the change. And so does that make it even more important that what you guys are trying to get across continues? Because, you know, if it's not on the front burner of what people are thinking about, it isn't going to be changed. Uh, how important do you think that is? Uh, I think it's very important. I think, yes, we, we must continue to, I always tell uh, Dante and my boys, we must continue to apply pressure. We knew football season was coming up. If we did have a football season, we knew football was going to probably shift in front of what, what's been really going on in America. And we wanted to make sure that even if we did have a season, we wanted to make sure this was the, the number one priority. And as it should be for years to come until this country changes. And um, so, yeah, we, we must continue to uh, keep this at the front burner, like you just said. What about you, Dante? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like I, like I said in my speech, I was like, this is a marathon and not a sprint. We know, because if, if all we did was a speech or the march, that's not, that's not. I mean, yeah, it did something, but people would just throw that to the side. You know, we, we this must be talked about today, next month, next year, and forever and ever, because we can't allow people to just throw it away. Because I feel like that's what happened, has happened in previous years people just brush it off to the side. And that's why we're still seeing the same thing over and over again. So for us to keep applying pressure, that is one of the biggest things that we must do. What has been the reaction that you guys, what's the feedback that you guys received from the march? Um, I would guess that the majority of it was probably supportive because it's easy to express support. Um, and, I, and I'll admit, most of the feedback I've received from people that I've talked to about it has been supportive as well, although there have been some people that have talked to me and said, well, I don't know why they're doing this, that kind of thing. What have you guys heard? Um, and do you feel like you're hearing people tell you what you want to hear or that 
are you feeling feeling like the message is getting through a little bit? I know it's early going in this, but um, what have what have what have what has your guys been? What has been your sense of it? I'll, I'll start with you, Dante. I mean, personally, to me, all I, all I've heard was good news about the march. You know, people were supportive about it. They 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 knew the stand that we were taking, and they knew that it needed to happen. Um, conversations with the players. You know, we've had talks about it. I've seen I've I've seen difference in the players, some of the players, and all that. So everything that I've heard was supportive, but we knew going in that not everybody was going to agree with the march, and that's okay. Like just because you don't agree with the march, doesn't mean we're not going to do it. I mean, we won't back down from nobody with this topic, and we feel like we're going to keep applying pressure and just keep showing, keep spreading awareness to this cause because. It's like I said, it's our lifestyle. So we knew people were going to be disappointed with us. As you see across the whole nation, you know, you see a bunch of college teams posting stuff about Black Lives Matter and all that. And you see the fans that are so, that support them on Saturdays and whatnot, just bashing and talking about, you don't need to bring this to college football, yada, yada, yada. But it's not about that. It's not about political stuff. It's about just basic human rights and our lifestyle. If you, if like you said earlier, if you would take a walk in our shoes, you would understand where we're coming from. So, like like I said before, I've heard nothing supportive, nothing but support. But we knew coming in that not everybody was going to agree with it, and that's a that's okay. We're not going to stop. What about you, Makai? What's what's been your uh, what's been the feedback you've received? Uh, like like Dante said, we we've heard nothing but support supportive comments and um everyone it seemed like everyone's uh, supportive of us and with us and that, that's great and but at the same time i feel like the, for the majority i feel like everyone was genuine that everyone out there majority of everyone out there they were genuine they wanted to be out there to fight this fight with us and i i do know that there's people there's people that didn't agree with us because they have different stands on it. Um, and like, I want them to respect my stance. Okay, I'm gonna respect your stance. But it gets to a point where I respect your stance, but I'm not bashing your stance, you know? But they, they won't, they're bashing our stance by, and I just feel like I'm a Black Lives Matter supporter, supporter, obviously. And we're fighting for just basic human rights. I, I just, I encourage the people, the people that is that that was upset with us, or they saying like, why are they doing this, or disagreeing with us. I encourage them to speak out, come talk to us. They, they, I mean, because I, to be honest, I know there's a lot more people that doesn't agree with us than what we've heard. We've I haven't heard not one thing, not one thing about they agree, disagree with Black Lives Matter or disagree with this or that. I haven't heard one thing. Is it because you're not comfortable speaking up about it? I don't know, but I know there's people out there. So anyone who's listening, I encourage you to come speak to me, Dante, uh, Michael Thomas. Come have a conversation with us, and we'll gladly talk to you about where we where we're coming from. Yeah, I think it's human nature for people to not confront the people that are doing the you know the right thing. They'll they'll you know it's they'll pat you on the back and then. 
you know, sometimes I'm not saying that this is necessarily true in this case, uh, you know, might be saying something else behind your back, which is uh, human nature. I, th I, I know that happens uh, in a lot of different ways. You know, Dante brought up something I think is interesting, um, and that's the idea, and this was happening long before George Floyd, um, and it relates to race a little bit, but it even in some ways it goes even beyond race, but people look at athletes as what they see in their uniforms. And like you said, they care about you guys when you're playing on Saturdays. And a lot of times that's the extent of what they care about. And I don't know that necessarily a lot of people mean anything by that, but when it comes time to sympathize with or empathize with what you guys go through in your daily lives, all of a sudden the uniform is forgotten about and you know their sympathy ends as players and i like i said i think that's been going on for years and years um how do you uh how do you try to process that i guess i'll start with you on that one makai because uh that's a dynamic that's interesting and i've always thought like in a way people kind of put athletes in a box and feel like they need to stay in that box you hear that with stick to sports a lot um with our business in particular but athletes too um how, why do you think it's difficult for people to understand you guys are human beings and, you know, nobody ever sticks to one thing and nobody ever really wants to fit inside somebody's box? Um, I think the biggest thing, Todd, is um, in, in life in general, people use you for what they can get. Um, they're, they're, we're their entertainment uh, they're going to use us for entertainment. They're, they're in terminal on Saturday mornings or afternoons or nights. And that's all they see is us. Because football, we have our helmet on. Basketball players got their jersey on. They see us shoot a basketball, throw a football, score touchdowns. But like you said, at the end of the day, when we get off this field, I'm, I'm still a human being. And I think they struggle with that because they only see us as a, a, a player. That That's the... That, that's I, I don't know why is that, but I mean that's that that's what I think. They only see us as that player, and and on top of how they feel off the field, they see another black man, and they only think we're good for sports or, or rapping or or any of that. But they don't see us as anything other than that because they see us lower than them. So so when people say stick to sports and people talk about I mean, a, a news lady said something to uh, LeBron James about oh, stick to sports, just dribble to basketball. I mean, by by all means, I mean, yes, I'm a Kobe fan, but uh, you talk about LeBron James, this man owns his own school. Uh, he gives back to his hometown. He speaks out about black injustice, and he, he is the, the leader of the NBA. Similar to how Michael Jordan was at one point, similar to how Kobe Bryant was, LeBron James. All those dudes' voices held weight. And to see his voice, him using his voice and his platform as the best player in the league or and to use his voice more than just basketball and to have his actions back it up, you want to talk about being more than an athlete, that's your example right there. He's doing more than what that lady says. Stick to uh, sports. Yeah. Stick to basketball. She, he's doing more than what she does. What about you, Dante? How do you process that kind of dynamic that all athletes go through? I mean, it's not just football players. It's, you know, people 
you know, they want you to, they, 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 they determine, they attempt to determine a role for you, even though you're a human being and, you know, you're, you don't, you aren't defined by that. Exactly. Makai nailed it right on the coffin, but, um, it's, it's frustrating because you cheer for us on Saturdays or whatever, like I said, you don't see us as a threat when we're, when, when we're in the arena or on the court, but you can potentially see us as a threat when we don't have our uniform off and we're just in the community. What's the difference? We just don't have our uniform on. And I just don't get how you can support us on the field or in whatever sport we play and just bash us if we're promoting Black Lives Matter. And I, I know a whole bunch of people, including myself, I want to be more than just a football player, you know. There's more than just football. This is our life. I just don't want to be labeled as Indiana State football player and whatnot. And I think us as athletes – we have one of the best platforms as we could possibly have because everybody around the world watches our sport, watches our sports. And to use our platform, we can't, we literally can't just shut up and just do our sport. It cannot happen because if that does happen, I don't think a change will be made. And I'm not saying the only people that can create changes in sport because that's totally wrong. But I'm just saying we can't just shut up and just do our sport. This is our life. And we're more than athletes. We have to use our platform to spread awareness to the problems that we have been going through for years and years and years because we need to change. So it's definitely mind-boggling just to see, to see how many people just see us as athletes, not people. Yeah. And, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Just to uh, continue a little bit that off that is, I think the – Texas uh, Longhorns head coach, I think he hit it right on the money. Um, I believe it was Texas who said, uh, you cheer for these players on the field and um, <clears throat> when they're scoring touchdowns and catching interceptions and making tackles and winning big games for your community and for your <laughs> the college you graduated from. But now let's take it to real life. Would you allow your daughter to marry one of these men? Would you allow your daughter to be best friends with one of these men? Would you, would you, and, and even if you go, now we talk about women, would you allow your son to date that black volleyball player or yeah. marry that black volleyball player or black uh, track or basketball or any sport? That's just something to think about. Along those lines, last week, right at this time, actually, last week, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, walked off the floor in the bubble down in Orlando. And uh, with several NBA teams following their example, and after that, uh, teams in other sports, that's a big step because that's never been done before by um, by any team in a, in a pro sport to bring awareness. In this case, it was to Jacob Blake being shot in the back in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which all of that hit home for me because I'm that's where I'm from. I'm from Milwaukee, um, and I was very disappointed that 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 the shooting happened and then I was very proud that that my hometown team took the first step in raising awareness what was your guys's reaction when you saw what they did and kind of took it to the next level of okay we're not going to play to raise awareness about the issues of race because if we just say black lives matter maybe that doesn't raise the issue enough uh, what did you guys think of that I'll start with you Makai um my, my reaction to the video, I mean, I watched them one time and I couldn't watch them. Uh, 
we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, that that that's the bottom line. And um, but what we see in the NBA, um, in other sports and other athletes, I feel like we're in good hands. Uh, I feel like yeah, that's honest. I feel Adam Silver, the commissioner, and um, other stars in the NBA. Uh, I think we're in good hands with the professional sports. And um, for them to make that stand, um, that's huge. It's because it's a lot of people, a lot of kids out there. Because everything, this this education I'm talking about, it starts real young. And um, a lot of kids look up to Giannis. A lot of kids look up to LeBron. A lot of kids look up to CP3, James Harden. And when they see them make a stand, uh, I think that that speaks that speaks value. Uh, it really does, and that's just it, it was just a sad video to watch. Um, like I said, I only watched it one time. And it was disappointing, and but at the same time, we said this. You said this is the first time a, a professional team has ever done this, just across the professional sports. One thing that one of my coaches told me, Coach Stuckman, he told me, um, he's a corner coach, he told me, you know what could really make a change is what if, not saying it's, it's going to happen, but what if all of these NBA teams and all these MLB and NFL teams, let's start with the, that, that them, them leagues for a second. If those teams all decided to, let's, I'm, not playing another, I'm not playing another down, I'm not playing another any, another quarter, until we got get changed, and you know that's gonna force, that's gonna force all these billionaire owners to come together, and not saying money is everything, but money can really help this this problem. And I feel like if they force the issue with that and say they're not playing, that's gonna force these owners to come together with a, a plan, a plan of action, and not and not just one game, not two games. We're talking spans of months, because one thing they do like is their money. And these players, they, they make their money for them. So that was just something that I found kind of interesting. Yeah. What about you, Dante? What were your thoughts last week when another step was taken in, taken in this process? Yeah. Um, like Makai said, watching that video of Jacob Blake, it was very heartbreaking because to me, watching the video and just seeing that officer pulled a trigger seven times, it didn't even look like he had any remorse. It looked it looked like to me, it looked like someone who knew that there's a high chance that he somehow, somehow get away from what he just did. And then also seeing or hearing that he had his three kids in the car, that's something they're gonna, that's gonna be in their brain for the rest of their life. It's something they're gonna think about every single day, seeing their dad just get shot just like that. So it was very heartbreaking. But to see what the Milwaukee Bucks did, it was extremely beautiful and powerful. It shows that, um, it shows that this stuff is bigger than sports. You know, they're, they're tired of being tired and we're tired of being tired of seeing the same thing over and over again. So to see the Milwaukee Bucks take a stand and then the rest of the leagues follow and then the MLB, I know the Brewers and Reds, they, they took a stand in a couple other teams and then hockey as well. It just shows that there's stuff that's bigger than sports. This is our life. And I wouldn't have cared if they didn't play, resume the playoffs because I know they're fighting the good fight at the end of the day. They're trying to, I know they came together to create a plan of change and they weren't going to play until 
they got people on the phones and I, I know the NBA has arenas for voting now and just to see how powerful that, that was by the Milwaukee Bucks, it created a bunch of change and it just shows that their platform is huge. Not just for us, but for little kids as well, like Makai said, because little kids need to be taught what's right and what's right, not what's wrong, you know? And just to see them look up to their favorite sports guys. You know, I had favorite sports guys as a little kid. If I would have saw them take a stand like that, I'd be like, hmm, okay, maybe this is what should be done in the world today. So it was very powerful and beautiful to see by the Milwaukee Bucks. You guys aren't on the field right now, but you will eventually see the field, whether it's, you know, hopefully in the spring or hopefully as soon as possible. When that day comes, how does this uh, movement express itself through what you guys have the ability to do on the field? Um, college players have their own stage. Uh, college players have their own ability to make their voices heard, as you guys have already done. Um how does that express its? How do you think it might express itself when you guys actually get on the field and have a chance to express your movement through that conduit? I'll start with you, Dante. Yeah, I know. I know we're going to be back on the field at some point, and that's going to be great for us because it will give us another way to express ourselves. Because obviously, we're going to have fans and people watching us. So we haven't really came up with a plan or action that we're going to do, but I know there's been a couple ideas of how we're going to continue with this movement, such as decals on our uniform or helmets to spread awareness to Black Lives Matter and sorts like that. So we know the, we know when we get back to football, it's going to be a great opportunity to continue with this movement. And I know us as a team and school, we're going to come up with a great plan to continue with this awareness. What do you think, Makai? Um, yeah, I think uh, when you get on the field, I think uh, we're trying to get something. We haven't talked about anything specific yet, but we're we like Dante said, we're talking about decals of something that represents um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, we've been to talk with Coach Mallory about it. Um, I think that's something that we haven't done in the past. Uh, we never came out for the, uh, a national anthem. I think it would be uh, very beneficial to come out for a national anthem and do something with lock arms and just show that we're together and this team is together with this. I think that's uh, something that I haven't, since I've been here, we have not been at a national anthem, out on the field for a national anthem. I think that's something that could be in talks of this year. The last time I remember Indiana State coming out for the national anthem would have been before you guys were here in 2016 at Minnesota, and Lonnie Walker, who you guys probably do remember, um, kneeled at that point. That was right when Colin Kaepernick uh, had announced his intentions to do the same thing. Um, do you Were you guys aware of that, that that happened? I mean, you, neither one of you guys were here yet, but, um, and, you know, is that an expression that you feel like is an important one to get across? I'll, I'll start with you, Makai. Maybe not that, or whatever expression you want to, get across I guess um, you know that would be up to you guys what you want to do yeah well I mean I, I knew about it because I grew up with Lonnie and his family we played for the same uh, little league team and grew up same high school and everything so I knew about it um, but just I, I think for me personally and I, and I know uh, plenty of more of my uh, brothers on the team 
would would gladly take a knee during national anthem, and that and we will because of we know what it's for. We're not disrespecting any. I mean, this I can speak for myself. I would take a knee because I'm not I'm not disrespecting the military or anything to this country, but uh, I won't stand for a country who has oppressed black people. I'm gonna stand for a country who's police brutality and force, excessive force against black American, I'm African Americans. I won't stand for that and they won't do nothing about it. That's the biggest thing. You, we know what's going on, systemic racism and all these things and we're not doing nothing about it. We're just letting it happen because this system was built to break us down rather than build us up. And that's, that's what Colin Kaepernick took a knee for. Police brutality, black oppression. He didn't do anything to to disrespect the the Amer- American soldiers, and I have the utmost respect for people that protect this country, but I won't stand for a country who, like I said, I won't stand for a country who oppresses black people and is okay with it. What about you, Dante? What are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, like Makai said, I have the utmost respect for our American soldiers who go into battle of duty every single day to protect us, you know, I have nothing but love for them. And people people got that misconception with Cap is he wasn't kneeling to disrespect the flag at all. He was kneeling about the racial inequalities and what African-Americans have been dealing with for centuries. And I think if people would have listened to Colin Kaepernick from day one, they would have understood that. But they painted a picture for him where now he's disrespecting the flag, which that wasn't the case at all. He came out and said that he wasn't disrespecting the flag. And people were, people were just weren't getting that. And I don't know why, but they just weren't getting that. And as you see today, you see Roger Goodell talk about how he regrets, how he's, how he handled things back when Colin Kaepernick took a meal. And it just shows that like, it's not about, it's not about the American soldiers. It's not about disrespecting the American flag or the soldiers because we have the utmost respect for them. It's just to spread awareness of the racial inequalities and what we go through daily. And I think that was a, that's a good way to like peace, peacefully protest. You know, you see all these protests that are lead to rioting and all that. We don't want that. We don't want riots at our protests. We don't want looters at our protests. We want a peaceful protest. And I think that's a great way to peaceful protest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Roger Goodell. Um, he's, he's sorry now, and. I, I, me personally, I won't, I mean, I, it's accepted, apology accepted to the black community, but honestly, it won't be fully accepted until Colin Kaepernick is not blacklisted anymore, and he's not blackballed anymore for the NFL, until he has a job again, um, that, that, that's what it is, he, he got taken out of a job because of something he stood for, but, I'm just saying, someone who came out the side or, or had a, their different views on uh, the opposite views of a Colin Kaepernick, they'll still be in the league. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's a better note to end on than that. I think this has been a, a fantastic conversation, and um, I think you guys deserve to uh, to spread the word that you're trying to get across, and hopefully uh, that will be accomplished through this. So. I appreciate both of your guys' time, Dante and Makai. Hopefully we'll see each other on the field one of these days. Um, and uh, thanks for coming on uh, uh, on the podcast. I appreciate it.
Yeah, thank you for having us. Appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you. Well, there you have it, uh, the interview with Mackay Ware and Dante Hendricks. Hopefully uh, you were enlightened by what they had to say. I know I was. Uh, it was good to have an honest dialogue and to make sure that their voices were heard and that, uh, you know, with the, with the march having taken place a month ago and with football not having been played, uh, that this didn't fall out of sight and out of mind. So I appreciate you listening. We'll be back with another Down in the Valley soon. Hoping to talk to Doug Elgin, Missouri Valley Commissioner, about what some of the plans may be for basketball. Um, not sure I'll be able to pod that or not. I've, I've run up by Doug. Uh, we'll see if he's agreeable to that or not and would love to have him as the next guest, even though he's not an ISU voice, obviously being commissioner of the league that ISU plays in. As far as I'm concerned, that counts as a voice of ISU. So hopefully we'll have Doug Elgin on on the next episode. If not, we'll figure it out. So thanks for listening to Down in the Valley, and I appreciate everybody who does. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.